Hello, Hello yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums-to-be and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. This episode is proudly sponsored by KiwiCo. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie and everybody listening. I feel like it's been a long time since I've spoken to you or seen your face. Do you want to give us all an update on how you are? Absolutely. Look, it's been a big few weeks. If anyone has tuned in to our latest, most recent episode, and I'm starting to see clearly again, which is nice. It just takes a bit of time for me to be in tune with myself. And I put my automated email response on for five days. I continued my cold showers. I spent five days away camping with my family and it turns out all you really need is tent poles and a little bit of sunshine <laughs> to make camping successful. <laughs> but without those things, it's really, it just doesn't really fucking shit. <laughs> but I spent time listening to my thoughts as like they rip through my brain instead of fighting them and I surrendered by slowing down. And I had belly aching laughs while I was away and my husband will always give me those if I actually sit down and allow him to do that. But I'm just always so busy all the time. And we've worked out over the past week that I don't slow down. I, I really just need to learn. I didn't, I don't need to change medication. They really feel like I need to learn and understand some techniques that it is not achievable to do what I do every single day, all day, because I do end up going down this burnout phase for like two weeks. And it's because my brain can't function anymore. So. Mm. I think to understand that is a big thing. However, I've been doing the same thing my whole life. So this is going to take a very long time to, you know, retrain my thoughts. Yeah. And look, I'm I'm ready to to try that. Right now I'm taking one day at a time and I'm taking I'm starting with a really small list a day. I'm trying to remember that the jade who is down is the same jade who is up. And I actually balance myself best when I continue to give myself care and time to listen to my thoughts. And that's a really big thing because for me, whenever I feel overwhelmed, I have this sense of panic that something's not right. And when I walked into my psychologist last week after the camping trip, I said, I'm really tired. And she said, great. And I was like, what? And she's like, that's so great. And I'm like, I'm just so not used to. As in great that what? You've listened to that. Um, she's commended. great that you're tired. Yeah, she's Because she'd fucking love me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired all the time right now. <laughs> can she's- I have your psychologist number so I can just go to her? I know. I'm tired. But she's commending me because I don't ever see that 
as a positive. So she's what she's yeah. trying to do is change my way of thinking that sometimes not being productive is actually a really positive thing. And hopefully by me doing this every day will give me less darker times in my life, but also remembering even when I'm feeling dark and alone, I'm actually learning something big about myself. And usually my darkest times end up being my greatest achievements. It's just, uh, it's hard to know when you're in the thick of it. So I wrote myself Mm. a letter. I actually did. Cool. And I hope that when I go down that path and if it happens again, that I remind myself or maybe you guys can remind me that I've wrote myself this letter and it's got a whole lot of tips and me pretty much talking through this whole journey to me and coming out the other side. I don't know if it will work, but it's something, it's a start. So I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone that actually took time to listen and send me a message. Like my inbox is overflowing with love and stories and not just that, but people who couldn't relate to their partners who have gone through a depressive episode and they feel a little bit more clarity and understanding of them. I mean, this is just my story, my journey. Everyone's different, but just know that if I do open, eventually I will, when I do open my inbox and go through everyone, if I don't reply, it's not because I don't care. I absolutely do care. It's just there's no way in hell I can respond yeah. to that many You'll people. I'll be back. I'll be back. So just <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks a lot. Yeah, a big thank you. So did your psychologist just or your psychiatrist like label what had happened or is that not what's important? They have actually unlabeled. They had a lot of thoughts over this year of thinking what things could be and what they might be. And they've come to the decision that I need a lot of psychological work. Medication isn't really going to do it. It's actually me sort of uh, rewiring my brain Mm. to understand that slowing down and, you know, having a coffee without doing things and like my – my mind always runs a million miles an hour until I burn out. And right now I feel like I've really staggered myself today. I went out, oh, I got a puppy just because why not? Just throw a puppy. Oh, yeah, everyone. So first of all, when she said she was down and that she was going (laughs) camping with her family, I was like, well, either that could go really well or really, (laughs) really badly. And then she gets home from camping and I say, how did you go? How are you feeling? Because she didn't really have reception during the week. And she's going, yeah, I'm feeling, you know, a lot better, like still got ways to go, but on the mend, on I'm picking up a new puppy this afternoon. And I thought, <laughs> dear fucking God, help me. What are you doing? So tell the people what, I mean, well, I'm not a dog person. So to me, like, why would you put another thing on your plate? But yeah. Tell us otherwise, please, or I'm coming to retrieve the dog (laughs) and take it away from you. No. So a few things happened there. I've... I'm not clucky for children anymore because my husband has had a vasectomy and I don't plan on being pregnant anytime soon. I'm still watching you, Soph, and I'm just wanting to be your support partner, not actually After I tell you about this week, you'll continue just being clucky for dogs and not clucky for children. Well, anyway, it's actually a cute story because there was a single mum and she had two boys and she worked a lot and she 
I saw her at the football and basically long story short, she said, I've actually never really had a dog before. It's super overwhelming. I actually can't, I can't actually Mm. take this on. It's too much. I feel so bad. And I said, don't, I've got so much land for that dog to grow up on. Rudy's still a puppy. I actually love that breed of dog. We have trained so many dogs. We understand, we get it. It's a Staffy Cross Bull Mastiff, or it does actually look a little bit like it's got Ridgeback, but honestly, her name's Juno and she is the most delightful little thing. When she gets up, she basically runs Rudy ragged and then she passes out and she has started to pee outside and she's already sitting. So, and it's all part of us well, being there. Well, Juno, welcome to the Beyond the Bump family. Yeah, it's we'll nice to have you. She'll have a chat. She'll on. have a chat. But anyway, <laughs> long story short, it's been a big week. My psychologist, when I told her that, she was just like, I'm just letting you know that there's a lot of people that love you in the world and you don't need to keep buying puppies and things every time you fall apart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, how are you? Enough about me. Far out. How are you? No, that's okay. We needed an update. Yeah, you did. Um, you know, you had so many people who, whose hearts were breaking for you and so many people that were either resonating with you on a personal level or had had, as you said, partners. A lot of people were saying their parents had gone through this when they were younger. Oh, wow. And they never understood it. Um, and they said how incredible it is that you're explaining it to your girls as you go mm-hmm. so they're not left quite literally in the dark about it. So yeah, we needed an update. Um, my week, it's been, there's been highs and lows. The lows are that it's been pretty deflating in terms of my, I guess, hyperemesis with mm. being pregnant. I'm 23-ish weeks pregnant and I have vomited so many times in the past week. No. And it's just become really unpredictable again. Like I I have never stopped taking medication. The only time I've stopped taking medication is when I've run out of medication and then I have vomited until the pharmacy's opened and got said medication and then been fine. But it seems to be all of a sudden the evenings that are the worst and I'll be fine all day. And then it comes like 4.30-ish and I cannot function. I have to go to bed at about six o'clock. I'm vomiting up. It's like I'm sorry if people don't like hearing about vomiting because it's as though like everything I've eaten in the day hasn't been able to like digest Mm. or something and I'm just at this stage where like I'm just feeling like I just want to be able to eat a meal without thinking what the consequence of me putting that in my body is. And I don't mean in terms of like calories or anything. I mean like can I drink this glass of mm. water safely and it not come up? Like is it a good idea for me to eat this or should I go through drive through and get chicken nuggets? Like I'm just so fucking over it. Is it common for it to come back? Well, I had it come back with both my others, but it always seemed to be more like reflux related, like reflux would start and then that would tip me off in vomiting. But this this doesn't feel refluxy. It just feels like death. 
like, like not as bad as the first trimester, but I think I'm just so in my head because I'm like, this has been going on for so Mm. long and I felt really good again and felt a little bit of the normal me coming back. But I feel like I'm back to not enjoying things as much kind of like being worried about making plans because how am I going to be at that time? Anyway, and then on top of that last Thursday night, Poppy vomited all night with some kind of gastro bug. And then on the weekend, we went away to Brisbane. And look, I felt royally shit while we were away. And I just thought this was part of my hyperemesis type thing coming back. But I think that in hindsight, maybe I underlying had a bit of the gastro that was leading to me vomiting more. I know. But on Sunday morning, so Nick and I went to the high of the week is Nick and I went and saw Leon Bridges on Saturday night and it was just so good. He played at the Fortitude Music Hall and it was the best venue. Give us a song. It was just so, so good. Absolutely not. I stayed up till midnight, which was a challenge. My ankles were (laughs) throbbing because I was standing. But the next morning we woke up and we're staying in a nice hotel. Goldie vomited all over the room. She vomited three times. Nick had to call down to ask them to get them to take their rug away. But the only positive of the here doing it in a hotel room is you can just call for more towels. And I'm like, I'm not the one cleaning the laundry. <laughs> because after having poffy on the Thursday night, I was like, I'm so over doing the washing. So anyway, and then, yeah, her and I were definitely both out all day Sunday with it. So there's just been, last night I was hugging her and she vomited all down my cleavage and it, I felt really bad because she was crying, but Nick and I just turned to one another and we burst into laughter (laughs) because the amount of Mm. vomit that has gone down in our house in the past six months is comical. Like someone could fucking drown in it. It is. We just looked at each other and we laughed and Goldie was probably like, why are you laughing at me? I'm vomiting but you know sometimes as a parent you and when you don't feel like you're catching a break and you just go I've just got to laugh because if someone was watching this holy shit so anyway that's been my week there's been highs and lows I hope that next year for you guys like they've really got it like the whole daycare bugs and illnesses out of their system and yeah we'll just have a newborn like you know (laughs) there'll be no issues (laughs) we'll be be fresh we'll be feeling great (sighs) anyway but leading on from this after I got vomited on one of the times I was having a bath with Goldie and this is my rude or fabulous for the week she turned to me and she goes, Mummy, your teeth are gold. So anyway, oh um, safe to say once I'm no longer pregnant and breastfeeding, I'll be getting, getting teeth, teeth whitening done. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, thanks, you little bitch. That's really what I needed this week. And another rude or fabulous. Actually, I think it's just plain rude. Yumi went up to my sister-in-law and just after my sister-in-law was like, gosh, I'm feeling good. I feel like I've lost some weight. She comes up, she's like, auntie, are you pregnant again? She's just like, Jesus Christ. Okay, clearly I haven't lost that much weight. 
Oh, kids, they will always tell you how it is. Oh, anyway, hit us up in our Facebook group as well and tell us all your rude or fabulouses and highs and lows from your week. There's been some epic conversations going down in there at the moment, people sharing recommendations or what their very honest toddlers have been saying to them too. And also, if you haven't heard, we have an epic newsletter that comes out every single week with so much good stuff. There's like mum hacks. There's what you can wear when you're pregnant. There's good food hacks. There's recommendations coming out of our assholes. It's just <laughs> a really fun way to give you guys a little bit extra without listening to our voices. <laughs> yeah. And we'll link them both in the show notes so you can go directly there. But enough from us. I think that's enough updates. We're going to launch into today's episode. Epinode. Epinode. Oh, you're doing well. <laughs> this epinode. Is epinode. Is <laughs> about epinode what you put in your vagina to help <laughs> before birth? I can't remember. No, I might be completely wrong. Anyway, moving on. We it. speak to Moana Hope and Bella Karlstrom. They are a beautiful same-sex couple who have just welcomed their second baby into their family. Bella has given birth to their first child and Moana has given birth to their second. So it was so interesting to hear their oh, different yeah. experiences, the pros and cons of that. I always looked at that like, wow, that would be the most efficient way to have a family. But then also I was like, oh, are there also, you know, bits of resentment that come in? What happens? So we chat all about it. They are always a breath of fresh air. Oh, they're hilarious. They're real and raw. They are like yin and yang. It is so hilarious to listen they to them They bicker on air. Yeah, they, they bicker <laughs> on air. It's so good. Yeah, we hope you guys enjoy. Hello, Bella and Mo. Thank you so much for joining us on Beyond the Bump today. For those of our listeners who don't know you, are you able to tell us a little bit about yourselves and your beautiful growing family? You go first, babe. Very very gentleman of you. Um, We're married. (laughs) We are married and we have two beautiful babies. Uh, We have a 21-month-old little girl, Sphere, who bell birthed. And we have a 10-week-old Ahi, little guy, our little king, who I birthed. Ten weeks. Um, yeah. Oh, how ten weeks. Did I say ten months? No, no. Ten, ten weeks. Ten yeah, weeks. Ten I'm weeks. losing count on the second one. Yeah. You both have mum brain. <laughs> <laughs> Don't judge us. We cannot wait to dive into this chat because obviously it's a bit more of a unique situation having you both each birthed a child in your family but becoming more and more common so we cannot wait to chat further before we get started take us back take us back to the honeymoon phase when did you guys first meet and how quickly did you kind of decide that you wanted kids and wanted a family together we were robbed of our honeymoon because she left four days after our wedding to go on survivor so that didn't happen until two months after our wedding. And we knew before we even got married that it was going to happen pretty quick by having kids. And I was going to go first because she might still be playing footy. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, yeah. You And one of my conditions of her marrying me and me marrying her <laughs> was we would have kids. Because <laughs> I've always wanted kids my whole life. Like I've always been like... I want to have a family and I personally want to birth a child as well. I think if you can and you want to, it's the most amazing, unbelievable 
life-changing experience anyone will ever experience. It's something that I've always wanted to go through. Yeah, we both So I, as soon as she said, yeah, I want a family, I was like, okay, well, that's a tick. Because <laughs> if it was a no, I would have probably been like, off you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next. <laughs> so, Bella, what made you choose to go first or both of you? How do you de- decide? Did you flip a coin? No, Mario was on the fence of whether she's going to play more footy or not. So it was kind of a really straightforward question. And I kind of am grateful that I went first because mm. I didn't have to be pregnant with a toddler or mm. having a newborn with a toddler. <laughs> so I got to like <laughs> be in lockdown, do nothing. Like it was like, you know, contact nap for six months, <laughs> all that stuff. And Mo's like, yeah, he's been down after like one week in the bed. And <laughs> yeah. I Because f- I, I feel like other same sex couples we've chatted to, often there's one person in the couple that definitely wants to be pregnant and birth more. And then the other person who's maybe not as interested. Do you yeah, find that-, that other people you meet share your experience or that you're a bit different we've actually never met anyone that's done it the way that we have we do have some friends but one mum has birthed both the kids and the other hasn't really been interested in it and that's okay not like but to be fair like a lot of women don't want to have kids and that's completely Mm. okay and like my best mate is one of those she's like never want to don't want it don't want to experience it I, I love my kid kids now she's got two but I just something I never want to do and that's so fine but like mm. I said for me always and Belle going first I had to repro- get this reproduced because <laughs> <laughs> she's pointing at Bella as she says that <laughs> that hideous human next to you <laughs> I was like we need to but then I, but then she brings out Svea this unbelievably beautiful child like mind-blowingly beautiful my child I'm pregnant like Whatever's in here needs to compete with that. Not that it matters. It doesn't matter. No, it's part it's, of my humour. Yes. Okay. Let it go. <laughs> but how did you come to that decision? Like how did you decide whose eggs you'd use for mm. which or like take us back to those decisions? Yeah, we never even like kind of thought about like egg transfers and all of that. We were just like, I'll go first, you go second, just use the eggs that's in us rather than both of us going through all of that, you know, procedure, which is like full on. Because mm. Mo didn't actually have to do IVF. She got pregnant on her first IUI, whereas I had did two IUIs and had to do a one round of IVF. And that Can was... you explain both of those procedures, like the yeah, difference? So an IUI is where you basically have blood tests leading up to your ovulation. When you're at peak ovulation, you go in, you do an ovidrill, which is like pumps it all out, and then you go and get inseminated with sperm. And that's the only like intervention that there is. And there's only like a 15% chance of that actually working. So I did, wow. two, yeah, I did two of those and then decided like, okay, we just want to make this happen. So we did our, then I did one round of IVF and yeah, it was successful. But the two rounds that were failed destroyed us, to be honest. We're being really honest. That was really hard for us back then. I remember we were like going, you know, we're really upset. I think we just went into it and we were just like, yep. You know, we 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 took not the, not the arrogant approach, but just the the excited think approach. I'm a healthy young person. Like, of course, I'm mm, going to be in yeah. that fifteen percent. And when it didn't happen, I we mean, just like, yeah, we're still extremely lucky to have you know gone pregnant when we did and gone through. It. I know that it's really hard for a lot of women and do years of IVF. And even after one round, I was like, if this doesn't work, and I have to do this again, like that concept, I just couldn't wrap my head around. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be mentally exhausting, but super rewarding at the end. And also at that point, like. Mo hadn't been through any of this stuff. So I didn't have like, she was super supportive and stuff, but I didn't actually have that person to relate to me yet. And I have been so excited and enthusiastic about her giving birth and being pregnant so that she can 
actually see me like for exactly what it was which not many women can say in their relationship so absolutely it was, it was a no-brainer I was like you are definitely carrying on it like, oh and I always wanted to so it was never a yeah. question hmm. so how do you choose a sperm donor oh I'll, I'll answer right because it, it fascinates me personally we we I would never want to see a photo. That's just my choice. I never want to see a photo of the donor. It's just not my thing. A lot of people think that you get a photo or you want to see photos. I don't. And so basically how it works, we did, yeah. we did it through Monash IVF, who were great. You get like resumes of people. It's like a resume. And on how that resume. How athletic they are. Tick. Yeah. All yeah. of their hair, like what they look like to so their eyes, hair color, height, weight, all of that, all of their health history, which is pretty amazing. And then all of their family's health history. So like their mums, grandparents, sisters, brothers, kids, all the health history is there so you can see, you know, if, if it lines up with what you want. And they also have like a really beautiful thing where they put in there why they're donating. Yeah, they ask about five questions with their philosophy on life and why they're donating and what they're interested in. But for us, the, the biggest criteria was just health. Like, yeah. you know, everything else kind of, and we tried to get the tallest one too. <laughs> <laughs> like, because what are your giants? Yeah, well, I'm like 5'9", but my dad and brother are like 6'5". So I was like, we've got to get a tall one but yeah no it was all about health and that was like you know once we found that the rest was a bonus and he was really beautiful as to why he wanted to donate and his philosophy and life so it really aligned with us and did you pick the same sperm donor yeah yeah same yeah. donor for both yeah there you go because I've heard so many differing opinions when people pick sperm donors like some women go oh I want to pick a sperm donor that sounds like they have similar features to me so then the child just kind of genetically looks like me or they want to they they're really fair and they're like no I want a baby that's really tanned or <laughs> yeah. whatever there's so many things but yeah it sounds like with you guys health was more the priority yeah health and then we just left the rest up to chance um, I think that was also the weird thing about being pregnant with Sia was because I didn't have what the other 50% of the DNA was going to be like to look at I couldn't really it was really hard for me to imagine what she was going to be like and her as a child but then she came out looking like my twin so it was <laughs> no yeah so good. And so tell us a bit about when you started IVF, what was what was that like? Obviously, emotionally, you found it tough that the IUI hadn't worked. But yeah, what did so you need to do? The first one was like, oh, my God, we're getting pregnant. This is going to happen. And then it didn't happen. And the second one was like um, kind of felt nothing. And then that didn't work. And then going into the third one, it was like whatever happens, happens. And for me, it was I am like, don't love to put medicines and things in my body and quite like natural and that regard so having to inject myself and you know get all these eggs in a non kind of natural way it mm. just made me feel yuck and I was exhausted and again like really alone like Mo was there but she didn't understand and I don't think I think some women also breeze through IVF and it's not really you know that big a deal but it definitely affected me and I was not myself so I really struggled with that yeah I also think that um the first two that we went through we went through this phase of and this is what this is what our choice of how we deal with things. So this is not us telling anyone what they should or shouldn't do. But Belle was just like, okay, like no no glasses of wines, everything's clean. Let's everything we eat has to be clean. Leading into it, like everything was just like altered from your normal everyday life. And then the first IVF when we were just like, you know what, whatever happens happens. That's just the way we live life. Yeah, so we didn't, you know, we didn't stop everything. We're at my like just for my age. <laughs> 
<laughs> Which is a completely clean, natural experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I got so, I felt so hot. Like I literally like one or two drinks and I wanted to puke because the hormones had made me feel so yeah. fucked up. And like, I was just like, no. I was like, dance with me. And I was like, I'm going to vomit. <laughs> and what, you were pregnant at that time? No, no, not Without pregnant. Without knowing? No. No, no, no. It was before no, it was she before had the egg. I put back in me. Yeah. yeah. So the eggs were taken yeah. out and then we had to wait no. two weeks for them to mature. Sorry. Not two weeks. If you, yeah, so they get taken out and then they have the sperm and then you have to wait a few days to see if they become embryos or not. So it was it was yeah. during that period. And then we flew back and then the Monday we did the transfer. Yeah, so funny we just kind of just decided you know what whatever's going to happen to happen just yeah. to live life like we live pretty clean anyway but like as in we live a pretty healthy lifestyle and then you know when it happened we we're just like when we got the call to say she was pregnant because the weight workers the nurse calls you to tell you Ooh. we were just sitting on the floor expecting the worst and when she was like you're pregnant we were just like both in tears like you know, that's a moment I think oh, I'll remember for the rest of my life. I was the first one I'd ever woken up where I felt a bit nauseous and I was like, oh, don't think about it. And then so tell us a bit about your pregnancy. So whew, I feel like it was a long time ago. Um, she, I was pretty nauseous and the thing that I really suffered with the most was migraines. In my first trimester, I was getting like three in a week and it was just debilitating. Ugh. And then I got really bad pelvic girdle pain just from like week 12. So that was like really crap. And also it was when the pandemic started and lockdown had happened. So I was like, oh, I don't get to go out and be this woman in, in the world and be pregnant and get all that beautiful energy from everyone. I'm literally like yeah. waking up, sitting at home, puzzling all day, like nothing to take my mind off what I was feeling or going through. So I actually like halfway through my mental health was pretty shit. And I was like, just, you know, sad. And I mean, looking back, it was all right. But in the moment, I, I didn't love, love being pregnant. Like knowing that she was the baby inside of me now, I'm fond of it. But the experience, I wasn't like, woohoo. And then, you know, everything opened up with about three weeks of pregnancy left. So that was really beautiful. It was summer. I got to like, you know. Have my Feel good. <laughs> yeah. I get that. Like you do. Mm. You look forward to ha- like swanning about with your bump. And yeah. when you're inside in a tracksuit all day, you kind of ripped do off. feel ripped off. Of yeah, that totally ripped off. And I think I really struggled because I was like grateful that I was pregnant, but not loving the experience. But then once I realized that it was totally normal for me to have space for both of those emotions, everything felt a lot better. I think a lot of women are like, you know, it's so difficult to go through pregnancy, but then you have to, you know, show that you're super grateful and like act like you're all fine with it. But it's like it's hard. It's really it's hard. So hard. And yeah. how did you, you know, you might be a bigger person than I am, but you know, I'm currently pregnant and I had a really rough first trimester. Yeah. And so. I feel like feelings of resentment do kind of creep. I mean, they cre- crept in towards my husband because I was kind of like, he was doing so much. He was doing yeah. everything he possibly could in looking after the other two kids. But I was also like, oh my gosh, like, why do I have to feel like this to give us a child? Yeah. But, you know, Mo hadn't been through it yet and your partner literally can do it. So that's exactly why I can relate to what you're saying. Yeah. Did those feelings of resentment creep in? It wasn't so much I wish that you were doing this. It was like I wish that you you would understand what this feels like because, I mean, like, you know, I was still feeling nauseous at 14 weeks and I was like, oh, that shit's supposed to be. Oh, no, no, let me tell that story. (laughs) She she said to me at 14 weeks, she was like, oh, I'm still sick, I'm still nauseous. And, like, I made anybody out there that's a partner of a pregnant woman do not make this mistake. (laughs) I make this mistake by going, it can't still be happening. (laughs) It's 14 (laughs) weeks. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, 
14 weeks can't still be happening. And it's just nauseousness. Come on. <laughs> I've said those things, right? But don't judge me. <laughs> part no, no judgment stroke. because you learned. Because <laughs> yeah, like, in my pregnancy, I had the, and I will talk about mine later, but I had the worst first trimester and mine went to 15 weeks. So I think that was my karma bus, right? <laughs> and I turned to her and I was like, when I was going through my peak of my sickness, I was like, I'm so sorry. And that is the absolute beauty of both of you experiencing pregnancy and birth. Like you guys can sit there. That That is one of the most, you know, private, beautiful moments of mm. someone's life and both of you are experiencing and sharing those memories. And, I, oh, my God, at least you could have sat there, Bella, and gone, oh, you know what, your time will come and you yeah. will feel that and you yeah, will get it. But you can, also, you can also know exactly what helps. And, but I did see a couple on Instagram the other day and they were pregnant at the same time and oh, have recently no. give it, given birth. I think one of the babies came late and one of the babies came early and so they ended up giving birth like a week apart. But I was like, imagine if one of you had hyperemesis and one of you was a pregnancy unicorn. Oh. <laughs> I think you'd, you'd have to suffocate yeah. them with a pillow. You nah, couldn't. You There's yeah. absolutely no judgment, but like definitely can't see myself. It'd be like having twins. It'd be like having twins, right? Because yeah. two newborns. I just couldn't imagine they hadn't gone through, you know, postpartum, not having no. support. Uh, support. Like well, just- that, that, that was, I was just going to say with the whole pregnancy situation, the, the biggest thing for me was like, yes, pregnancy is hard, birth is hard, but it's that month six weeks after giving birth that nobody prepares you for I felt like I was insane and I was never going to be myself again and that's when I felt the most alone and I was just like Mo you know I was so excited to have this baby to show off to the world and I was like don't come into my house don't touch mm. my baby don't put me under any pressure I had retained placenta until I was like eight weeks postpartum and yeah, I, that was my biggest light bulb moment because I knew th- how difficult that was going to be for Mo as well going through that. And to be able to be your support person has been. I do remember that after she gave birth, like I was like, I'm going to let my friends come over. And she was like, no one's coming over. And I was like, what's wrong with you? We need to introduce fear to everybody. Like I was just like, you know, here's our baby. Everyone come meet it. And she was like, anyone comes in my house and I'm going to cut them. Right. And I just didn't understand it. Like I generally, honestly, being real honest, I just thought, what's wrong with her? Like I was sat toy my best friend. I was like, did this happen to you? Like what's wrong with her? She doesn't want to show speed off. Like, is she upset about it? And I had once I fired. had once yeah, let me finish. Sorry. Once I had Ahi and I went through that, I was like, again, I am sorry. Holy shit. Like anyone comes in my house and I'm a cut them because yeah. I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to move. I don't want anyone to ask me how, you know, if they can hold the baby. I just want everyone to stay away. Yeah. So it's, again, it's, and I want to say this in the most polite way, if you're the partner of somebody that's giving birth or will give birth or is going to try and give birth and you're going to have a baby and you think you know what they're going through, you've got no idea. Absolutely no idea. Like I thought I knew, like even going into labor, I thought I knew. I had no bloody idea at all about any of it. You can't even understand what, you know, the first trimester feels like unless you experience it. If you can't, if you don't experience it, you can't have an opinion on it because it's not just nausea. It's actually like for me, if I felt like my worst hangovers combined into one, that's what mine felt like. So both of you, because you know the experiences, what advice would you give a partner that won't experience birth or pregnancy? For me, 
I would really encourage them to be so patient and so gentle, like zero pressure for anything. And, you know, try your hardest to put yourself in their shoes and then take all that away and know that you actually can never really do that. So the one thing that I sought the most comfort in was actually reaching out to other mums. Like my sister-in-law who you met was four months ahead of me through the whole process. So to me, like we were closer and understanding Mm. each other more than what Mo put at the time. And, you know, just make them feel like what they're going through is completely normal and absolutely zero pressure to do anything (laughs) and just listen. And Bella, I remember last time we spoke to you on the Beyond Play podcast, you were talking about your co-sleeping arrangements. How has that gone now that Sphere, is she two years old now? Like what, what's the progression of that? Still pretty much the same. Like I'm still breastfeeding all night long. <laughs> so when, before he came along, we had a king mattress and a king single all put together for one giant bed. Sia and I are on the king. I was pregnant on the single. And our plan is to continue to co-sleep as a family. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I don't even know why we brought a four-bedroom house. We should have just brought a one-bedroom house because we're all in the same bed and three rooms are getting cobwebs. Eventually they will go into their own rooms when they want but also like I love falling asleep with her waking up cuddles all night like it's my favorite thing you're in the happy world. yeah and so right now Mo is in what we call our baby room with Ahi and sleeping with him and I'm with Sphere just because it's nappy change and things during the night which you know you can't really do in the pitch black and not make noise <laughs> so until he is kind of not needing a nappy change and Mo can just roll over and feed during the night and then we're gonna I'm going to upgrade the king single to a queen mattress and have a king. Ooh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. So good. <laughs> we bought a house with the longest room. Yeah. It will work. <laughs> we'll be back in a minute with more Beyond the Bump goodness after this short break. All right, all our listeners will know that we like to get outside with our kids. Yeah, we're definitely better parents when outdoors, but with nap times, sometimes the weather, this is often not possible. Yes, and that's when our beloved KiwiCo panda crates come in so handy. But they do. For those who haven't heard us rabbit on about KiwiCo's panda crates before, first of all, where have you been? Maybe welcome to your first episode. <laughs> Second of all, they are subscription boxes designed for zero to two-year-olds that are filled with age-appropriate toys and activities that all have a research-based approach to play. Yes. And what's better than throwing a box of activities to your kids knowing that they are learning as you put your feet up? I'll tell you what gets better. The <laughs> fact that every second month, two months worth of activities arrive straight to your doorstep too. Oh, it's bloody brilliant. And parenting smarter, not harder. That's my motto. Absolutely. Goldie has been loving the peg puzzle, which helps her to learn shapes, build her fine motor skills and explore problem solving all at once. Oh, she's a clever little cookie. Yumi actually loves that one too. And she's also been learning shapes through the squishy shapes. And when she's over that, she uses them as pillows for her dolls, which is super cute and keeps her busy for even longer. More importantly, (laughs) win-win. If you want to create a foundation for learning with Panda Crate from KiwiCo, you can get 30% off your first month on any crate line for any age with the code BTB30 at KiwiCo.com. Yes, that's KiwiCo.com, K-I-W-I-C-O.com using in capitals BTB30. 
Now back. <laughs> that sounded like we were serious for a moment. That was really good. That was Keep going. Epic. To. Oh, <laughs> we're back. The show. The show. My kids are four and a half and two and a half and most most nights I end up in a bed with Poppy and Nick ends up in a bed with Goldie and we wonder why we have all these bedrooms. Like we just went on holidays and all of us slept in the same room and I swear we all got the best so sleep easy. we've had in such a long It wasn't particularly romantic but, you know, I'm pregnant anyway so he was probably going to get the same amount if we were <laughs> in our own room anyway. But we all got the best sleep we'd got in forever and I was I was like why do we have a four-bedroom house At the start, we put him in the, uh, what, do we, what do you call a swaddle. it? We put him in a swaddle and we put him in his own crib. And he was, he's just such a strong baby. He rolled onto his side on night one in a swaddle. So dangerous. I got a photo of it. So dangerous. I'm a pediatrician and he was like, that's unbelievably, unbelievable and dangerous. So from that moment, I was just like, no swaddling. Well, he hated it as um, well. Yeah, he really he hated it. Like, but, I tried to swaddle him. He was like, nah. And I was like, well, you know, yeah. some babies do and some babies don't. So I brought him into the bed and now he's so sweet. All he wants to do is spoon. That's mm -hmm. it. So I just spoon him all night. So if, if he wakes up and I'm not spooning him, he'll either swing his arm to punch me, which is so funny. No, that's right. <laughs> and how did you know and when did you know that you were ready to start trying for another baby?
not a year yet. <laughs> How was that experience? Yeah, so because obviously for the first time for Bella going through that process, it didn't happen twice. So when you went through it,
emphasis, I think, returning to work and, you know, how to juggle motherhood and working, which are all extremely important conversations, but there's very little conversation around how do you attend work while you're literally feeling God awful a lot of the time, not telling anyone that you're pregnant. I'm traumatic. My birth was traumatic. And I, like I've done a lot of work um, postpartum with my psychiatrist, so I can say that without having to think about it, but amazing because it gave me...
And then I got back to normal. And I was like, okay, great, no pain, thank you. And then they were, they checked at 10 o'clock and I was seven centimeters dilated. And then they were like, we'll check again at two. And I was like, sweet. So everything was okay. And then around about one, it stopped working again. So I went from zero to a hundred. And I'm like, the rest of me was just like I need to sleep cut my body in half if that's what you need to do do it right because that's what you would do like to, to for the baby to be safe and again I just kept trying to listen to Val's voice when she was saying to push and when not to push and he came out after she got him out after two pushes and you know when they take the baby out and they put it on a chest and then they wait for it to get its first breath and stuff I was just like it's too floppy like in my mind it was too floppy but you know how they wait and that's a normal process and then our obstetrician was like okay we're gonna go and they took him away because he wasn't breathing and he didn't start breathing so here I am up on stirrups butt naked
that was that was my experience of it all, and I'm sure Val will tell a different story. But yeah, for me, that's why I think it was it was traumatic for me. It was the scare factor for me. It was the scary, scary moment that really got me because I was okay the whole way through. I was like, yep, got too much, took the OP. Yeah, Lady B, what's the footy? How fun is that? Waited for him. It was the scare factor that I could have lost him factor. You know, I might have not have had the guy, this guy. I did go, like, and I'm sure, you know, I'm not sure you may do the same thing, but for 41 weeks, I generally would lay in bed at night thinking about the moment I got to meet him. Mm. That was, you know, what would it be like? Do I, when we're going to cuddle him? Do I kiss him on the head? Is, you know, how's that moment going to look? And I had all of those preconceived ideas. And I think that's the only preconceived idea I had. But I think for me, the trauma side of it was, was the almost, you know, not having him part, which was, which was really hard. And how have you, like what methods can you do to work through that mm. trauma? Like I think a lot of women may not realise they've gone through a traumatic birth or may not realise the effect that's had on them or just assumed, oh, well, that's just what you go through when you give birth. Like wh- what's made a difference to you since then to kind of be able to work through that? To be honest, as soon as I had, as soon as we got home, I could tell I was in a bad place mentally. Like night one, I was crying because, oh, you know, I think about be separate because I had to go to yeah. Sphere even after my giving birth. I had to then leave and go see Sphere because mm-hmm. she had I hadn't been with her during the night and I'm still breastfeeding. Yeah. But I think Mo has had struggles with mental health like her whole life. And so there was something that we were really aware of, um, even without a traumatic birth, to have contingency plans in place and support for her because I knew that I would even though I've been through it wouldn't be able to be enough for her and for someone who hasn't suffered from mental health during their life I still had psychiatrist appointments booked in for post-birth to know that I would need that extra support so I think to, to give women advice on on how to deal with a traumatic birth is to make sure that you've got the support before you're even mm. in that situation because sometimes when you are in the pits of it you can't see a way out you don't want help you, you you come into a shell so I think having all of that ready to go and you know you might wake up and be like oh there's a kind of women's oh I can't be bothered doing it and then once you're in it you're like wow I actually really need this so I think having a professional there ready to help you through it and and then you can do that also with your partner so that your partner can understand hearing it from a professional of where they need to be and understand your partner a little bit more I think it's really important. Yeah, for me personally, I I see a psychiatrist once a month, my psychiatrist I have for a while and as soon as I knew I wasn't okay, I just called her and I was like, I need to see you. So I've seen her every week since then mm. just because I wanted to offload, talk, talk through things talked throughout that whole process and what it meant and, and all of that. And I think for me, it was like, that's a no, like straight up, that's the one thing I would always do is, is talk to my person or talk to the person who, who I deal with. And, that, and that's okay. Like, and I, I think that every woman might feel this way, but I just wanted to know that it was normal. What I was feeling was normal and what I was going through was normal. And, and, you know, 
it, it, it wasn't odd or I wasn't doing anything wrong. Like, I was crying because I couldn't remember the last time I fed him. So I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a bad mum. I'm a really bad mum. I don't know the last time he ate. This is the part where I was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited to be there for her for that because, like, yeah. that I can relate to. Like, you cannot believe. Just the crying shape for two weeks. Yeah. I, like, I it's so normal what you're feeling, yeah. everything. I think it's really important for you guys to share those tips for women that have or are having multiple children. I had my third child. I gave birth and I, like an hour later, I felt really off and I went to the toilet and I felt myself passing out and I pressed the emergency button. And then from there I blacked out and I went straight onto the bed. And every time I lifted up my head, like a centimeter, I passed out. And I needed a blood transfusion because I was so low in iron. And that whole journey I envision me looking after my newborn baby and not having a nurse take them away from me. And I had this because the other two children, I always were with them. They were never taken away. So for the nurse to take away my child, I immediately felt like I was a bad parent. Mm -hmm. It was just something in me that I can't do this. I can't have three kids. I can't do that. And I went home with that mentality and then it got so bad that I couldn't look at my child without having terrible thoughts and I spiralled. And I never actually related my postnatal depression to the scenario that I actually had in the hospital. And I think that if I had have had the help earlier on, like you're saying, just book in to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist postpartum because, hey, what's the worst that can happen? Sit there and go, I'm actually feeling pretty good. You just don't know. You don't know what's going to come out in a session. You never know. Yeah. And you can go to your GP and get a mental health plan. Like, you know, if it's something that you can't really afford and have all of those sessions ready to go booked in. I had one two weeks post-birth, could have had one even one week post-birth and it was the best thing I could have done. And I knew that I was going to need that. So I was like all over it. And how have you guys avoided not like using your two different experiences as a positive rather than a comparison. I think we're so quick with other mothers in the community to compare our journeys with them, let alone when it's in the same household. Like how do you not go, oh, Bella's birth was easier so she's a better birther or Mo's better (laughs) at this. Um, I don't think we've ever had a moment. Oh, there was one moment. I wanted a coffee so I said, I got cut. You didn't (laughs) make me coffee. And, and like, you can oh, use I that for 18 sorry. years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was yeah. like, well, the only wins. Yeah. So I, I need to agree. <laughs> we have so much empathy for each other that, like, there wasn't even that moment. And I think because I went first, every time she's come to me with one of her struggles rather than me being like, oh, well, I went through this, I'm like, bite your tongue. You've been through this. You know what it feels like to be in her position. Let her say her piece. Like, we both came out of the room this morning and she's like, oh, can you take me for five minutes? I've had a horrible night. I was like, I don't fucking horrible night too yeah. <laughs> and you just have to like sit back and realize that you know there's no need to compare we're both going through the same thing like we might open up our marriage for a third wife one two we can give the kids to back no, you didn't do anything last night, so it's all yours. You're onto something. That, that doesn't need to be a wife. That can just be child planting. You don't. You don't need to bring the complexities of an extra yeah. life into. Obviously, that. I'm glad we talked this out with you because now you know it's just better idea. 
Now, the most exciting thing was when we spoke to Bella that you were going to breastfeed your, both your children. So you both would be breastfeeding. Did that end up eventuating? Sure did. That was another reason why we wanted kids close together because I wanted to make sure that I was still breastfeeding for um, our next one. And another amazing experience to be able to share with Mo and coach her through it. Like I remember when Sophia came out, I had my midwife, you know, like helping me latch on and getting the nipple in. And then when Ahi came out, it was time for Mo's first feed. I was like, let me at it. And like got him straight on and was able to be that person for her, which was super special. And also I was like, oh, I can't wait for her to realize how fucking hard breastfeeding is. And she comes <laughs> out and she's like the biggest natural, barely had sore nipples, ridiculous amounts of milk. And I'm just like, no getting that. Yeah, no <laughs> And just absolutely nailing it. I'm like, I'm not really going to get what I wanted out of this. Yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, like that's, that's where I'm like, breastfeeding is easy. But you had a good teacher. <laughs> no, it's just because I haven't yeah, had, right. had the challenges yet. But it just shows everyone has, you know, their parts that they find challenging and everyone has their parts that they breeze through. I take that back, guys. I know people take things, what I say sometimes, literal. Breastfeeding is oh, no, not no, no. easy. It is not easy. <laughs> I think that easy. was clearly a joke. Yeah, <laughs> thank you so much. It's, it's exhausting. But for me, I just like, yeah, he's on, he drinks, he's off. And all of the lessons that we've learned through my experience if we were timing feeds and like doing all that crazy stuff that makes you feel so anxious like we knew like the midwife would come into the hospital like how long would you be for I was like I don't know and I don't care like he's fine like Mm, like, yeah Yeah. you know so I didn't have like she had that comfort and ease from me knowing what we've been through to like just trust herself Mm. and that's one thing I said to her like you know what you're doing your body knows what you're doing listen to it and you'll be fine and how soon after Ahi was born did you start helping feed as well because was it yeah he, he was like because like I said she needed that time after giving birth and he was on me and he was ready to go like already like crawling to my nipple and I was and like you, you didn't have to wait for milk to come in it no, was there no exactly <laughs> and I was like well you better get here quickly and make this happen because he's going for it and he's hungry and um so I think it was like first day he was born or second day he was born I, I chucked him on for you know just to have that connection with him and like be able to breastfeed him which was so special and also the magical thing about not giving birth to my second child was I was fully in my right state of mind, not going through post-birth trauma, hormones, anything. So for me, the connection with him was a lot faster than it was with Sphere because I had how interesting. And I was just like, oh my God, I love this kid so much. And it was just that love bomb that everybody talks about. And I was like, maybe there's a love bomb because it's for the part of it's not going through. Yeah, yeah, you've got more energy. Yeah, and I was just and I and I could just be in that space with him and and be able to breastfeed him, and that was all. I didn't have some nipples, and it was just like beautiful, and yeah, it was really exciting. But Sphere won't drink for me yet. <laughs> she's really? uh, well, yeah, she's she's, she's a bit we're, more we're established. Really, yeah, yeah. No, but she, she has drank from her sister-in-law, uh, and, um, but she won't drink from him anymore either. But like we're really respectful of it's her choice if she wants my boob then she can she can have some milk but we're not we're not like she's super cheeky though like she's very see, funny she'll see my breastfeeding the baby she'll go baby butt with butt is short for booba that's what we call it booba and she goes baby butt and then Mo goes do you want some booba and she'll go up and like put her mouth over her nipple and go nah and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm always like this is the moment this is the uh, yeah nothing. did you ever have fears around having favorites based on who you birthed or who you were pregnant with 
I have to say that before watching Mo go through it, because I've been in hetero relationships my whole life apart from Mo, that I had never envisioned myself being a mother to a child that I hadn't birthed. So I was, I had that, all of those fears. I was like, oh my God, am I like, what if they don't love me the same? All of this kind of thing. And I think that's why going first was also like a bonus to me. So I didn't have to go through that first. But what was amazing was watching Mo with Sphere. She got rid of all of those fears because I see how connected they are. I see how much she loves her and how much it didn't, it doesn't make a difference like at all in terms of our connections and things like that. So watching Mo with Sphere took away all of that. And that's why I, I don't, I think if I hadn't had that model that Mo gave me, it would have been a bit more scary, but yeah. And then also the, the experience of having the first child is, you know, your love grows for your baby. Like you're not the same, have that same connection you do on day one as you do like, you know, 18 months down the track. So, and I also have that faith in Ahi knowing that like, you know, that's always going to grow and just get stronger and stronger every day. And I think like for both of my children that I have birthed, even for them, my love for each of them is so different yeah. and one is not greater than the other. It's just I love different quirks about yeah. them and, and they both make me feel a different way And but they both grew in me and were birthed by me but it's still so different. Yeah, and you never had any doubts like ever about whether you were to love a child that you hadn't birthed or like have that connection. No, they're both equal. They'll always be both equal. Yeah. We were laughing the other day because we were looking on your Instagram and Bella had a photo of herself just in a bikini and what was the comment? Oh, Mo had commented on it (laughs) saying, I know I said that I wasn't going to be intimate with you for another 10 years, but this photo got me reconsidering. (laughs) That was the other thing that she finally gets now. It's like after you give birth, the last thing you want to do is have sex and now she's like, ah. I get it. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. Don't touch me. Don't even bother. Coming from your background of being a professional athlete, mm-hmm. how have you found this stage of going through postpartum? I mean, I mean, your body has obviously changed. It functions differently. It does different stuff. Has that been hard? It's been, honestly, like I'm, I'm, I'm glad I have the, uh, athlete background because I know when to listen to my body and I know like when my body's saying no especially because like my physiotomy took so long it was to heal. heal like I only just I'm only just started training this week because I only stopped being in pain last week so wow. I was taking Voltaren all the way through because I was in such bad pain I couldn't even sit for weeks and I was also bleeding from what are they from your hemorrhoids? Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Which were yeah. the worst. Like like the toilet was full of blood. <laughs> and I was like, this, nobody talks You're about like, this. Which hole is that why, coming out of? Why are, are, are people so ashamed or women so ashamed or so frowned upon when they talk about things that are so natural? Um, and so that was really painful for me as well. So I was just like shit ton of pain and I couldn't train I couldn't walk couldn't even walk so it was really hard for me as somebody that is used to training a lot to be Mm. like nothing and I could tell like for me best way I could describe it's like it's like having an injury like I've never had an ACL injury like that I've had a PCL injury where no matter what you can't it's not going to work you just have to let it heal and that's just kind of what I came to I was just like you know what whatever it needs to heal let it do its thing and when it gets better like do the exercises we've seen a physio who was amazing 
and then it'll come right and, and it's come right. So I think so it's such a different healing experience when you already have a toddler. Like it was so different for me. I could just lie oh, yeah. in bed for two weeks with my new baby, whereas Mo's like got to get back into mum mode. And mm. that's a massive challenge to be a first-time birthing mum but already a second-time mum. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> that's so true because I feel like a lot of people in that situation, they have at least the benefit of having gone through it before. But mm. you are, you've got that older child but it's your first time. But also yeah, with the, yeah. an episiotomy, I had one with one of my kids and I, after it, like post-birth, postpartum, I looked in the mirror when I was about to have a shower. My, vag- my labia, is it my labia? It was so swollen and so long that I actually had to triple take that it was mine. I thought I had a transplant. I didn't know what was going on. And it took days to get that swelling down and the pain to go down. So I like episiotomies are just, you know, you do, you do what you can to get the baby out. But that postpartum period is absolutely no joke at all. And everyone just like, how do you even go back to work with that? But then people always just, people always just talk about postpartum. I'm like, oh yeah, it's just postpartum. You'll be right. See you soon. Like it's, you're recovering. Like it's such a big deal. Mentally, physically, emotionally, all the things. Yeah. All the things. Oh, well, you guys are so amazing. I think your story is so incredible and it's re- it's just so, I think couples can relate to one another, but you guys are on a whole nother level. <laughs> and I think so much- you guys relate to each other like and that's why you're stuck so close because you share that bond and that's yeah. yeah. Well, we're, we're married. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, after this baby, do you want to come live with me though? Like, <laughs> I promise our relationship is slightly different. Um, we've gone a little longer without being intimate, I can assure you. But, yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story. Oh, is there any, I just think the way that you can relate to one another is so cool and I think so mm. much can be learnt from it. So if you have any last little bits of ways that we can, I guess, understand anything our partners are going through more that would be awesome I think if you're the partner of someone giving birth whatever they ask for whatever they needed in birth give it to them and whatever they say to you don't take it to heart but I also have a whole new sympathy for birthing partners because I was that day like that was one of the hardest things I've ever gone through and I've given birth like that was to watch her go through that and have to be on and we didn't have anyone like we had my mum there for my birth as well so one extra support person but it was just Mo and I during hers and that was full on just be gentle like if you've got somebody that's giving birth just be gentle whatever they want and whatever they need during pregnancy and postpartum just be understanding and give give it somewhere even if you don't understand it just be understanding I also think like talking is the best and greatest thing that you can do in your relationship no matter what you're doing it's like she talks so much (laughs) talking and listening we never talk (laughs) she's always like so do you want to talk about stuff I'm like no the most most, most, like shut down be silent talk about it tomorrow and I was like you need to discuss this with me like and it's it's every day is a work and just because we've experienced the same thing doesn't mean that we don't have the same struggles as everybody else because we do and we go through this and like you know the same things that everybody do and that's with two people that have been through the same experience oh shit you know what i'll tell people to do okay i'll tell them if you're gonna have (laughs) a baby (laughs) you're gonna have a baby make time for each other after your breath always and how do you do that that's one thing we didn't do. We didn't prioritize for ourselves because we didn't make time for each other. How do we do that? We do that at the end of, so at six o'clock, we both go bath 
one child each. No, we both babies. Yeah, but we both we put them down, and then we meet at about eight o'clock once they're both asleep with chocolate. And we watch oh. trashy TV, or and we catch up. Oh my god! And we catch up. Well, we have a conversation. We might even talk for only five minutes, but those five minutes yeah. are like our happiest minutes. Five minutes of the day. So we just make time. We know that things will return to normal. Like it's not going to be forever. Like yeah. <laughs> if Mo's in charge, it's a five-minute chat. If Bell's in charge, <laughs> no, it's, it's an hour minute. and thirty-five. <laughs> if Mo's in charge, skip the chat. Skip the no chat. <laughs> <laughs> but Bell, I love what you actually said about having some respect for the non-birthing partner too because yeah. I think that we can empathise that it's a freaking hectic day or more for them without taking away what the birthing yeah. parent is going through. And sometimes I do think of Nick and I'm like, I don't envy the fact that that you actually went through those experiences completely stone cold sober yeah. with no hormones going through you, watching your wife go through mm. that. And that doesn't take away what I did. No, not at all. But There's it's still hectic. Both experiences yeah. And there has to be an understanding of that. And going through, I was like, oh, my God, when am I going to sleep again? Like, this is it. It's over. <laughs> like, it came out. I was like, how do I recover from, like, not sleeping all night to going home to my toddler to being there for my wife oh my to breastfeeding my newborn? And I was I like, I told you guys, you're talking. A lot. <laughs> oh god that's what we got you on yeah exactly well, <laughs> but do you think both of you being able to breastfeed is more efficient or do you think oh, it's, it's made more so much better problems? and also because i had so much anxiety about leaving sphere because i would never miss a feed and never get a bottle never pumped i was there for everything she's been able to like go and get a hair done or go and do some work stuff or go to an appearance and like i don't substitute his major feeds because I don't have that kind of milk or supply for him anymore but for comfort like I don't know how to parent without breastfeeding so I don't know how to put my child to sleep without I don't know how to like make them feel weird without me now to give them food so be, to be able to do that for my son has made again the whole transition seamless because it hasn't it hasn't been a different experience for the kids yeah and the reason why I like it is because eventually in a couple of months I'm going to say hey Belle I'm going out here's the baby <laughs> no that's great I love that you're like I don't know how to parent without the boob once they can talk then you guys can talk yeah. Belle yeah. then you guys can talk to your heart's content but yeah. until then just put a tit in their mouth yeah, exactly. she's talking now and it's just the best like oh my gosh it's the cutest thing ever Oh, you Most guys like are such legends. Thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so, so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.